Welcome to Entrepreneur Mindset Reset, the podcast for entrepreneurs who want to learn from fellow business owners how to decrease the chaos and increase their sense of fulfillment while becoming more profitable. I'm your host, Tracy Trepesky. I'm an executive coach and consultant and mindset mastery expert. I'm also mom to two amazing teenagers and a menagerie of adopted furry family members. In each episode, we explore challenges, opportunities, and actionable tips to help you move your business forward while staying true to your vision. You'll hear from me and my guests how we've tackled some of the pitfalls and unexpected surprises that entrepreneurship delivers. We're the real deal, and we're here to inspire and encourage you. Let's dive in. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in today for a new episode of Entrepreneur Mindset Reset, the place where entrepreneurs come to learn, feel connected, and celebrate progress. Today's guest talks a lot about the type of mindset it takes to be successful as an entrepreneur. We are so aligned in our approach to business, even though we have very different businesses. I am certain you're going to enjoy listening and As always, I suggest you take notes because Derek drops so much wisdom and he shares so much value. You don't want to miss anything. Before we dive into today's episode, I'd like to invite you to share your feedback on Apple or Spotify. Your rating and review help other entrepreneurs like you and me find us. And we all know how isolating it can feel out there on the entrepreneurial island. So help your friends and colleagues out by sharing, following us on Instagram and writing a review. I also want to remind our listeners who own private medical and integrative practices that we're hosting roundtable peer learning opportunities where you can join me and a small group of your colleagues and contemporaries in talking about how to overcome the challenges of wearing multiple hats as owner, CEO, and healthcare or wellness provider. If you're feeling exhausted and overwhelmed, have high staff turnover, and a lot of unfinished business and operational tasks, you will want to join our next roundtable discussion on time leadership. In these intimate virtual gatherings, you get to speak openly and confidentially to share ideas, information, and insights, and learn how to upgrade to high-impact, fulfilled CEO of your practice. You can get more information about our next free roundtable meeting at tracycherpesky.com forward slash medical hyphen practices. The link is in the show notes. So just click down below when you get there. So let's move on to the juicy stuff. Today, we are talking with the thoughtful and wise Derek Michaud, founder of Shelby Row Productions and host of PodLogics, the podcast. As they say, necessity is the mother of invention, and Derek's journey to entrepreneurship came out of necessity and his deep desire to spend more time with his daughter. As a touring musician, family life can be disrupted, and it can be challenging to create a sense of normalcy, not to mention steady income. So Derek made a decision, thought through what he already knew how to do, And after getting clients in the gig economy, he learned very quickly that maxing out his capacity would quickly lead him to burnout while also hitting an upper limit on his income potential. You do not want to miss when he tells the story about how he fired one of his highest paying clients and how that built his confidence, cleared his mind, and increased his team's appreciation of his principles and values as a business owner. Listeners, our friends, this is hugely, hugely important and it's key. It's really easy to get kind of nervous, maybe even a little bit desperate and in a scarcity mindset. It takes a lot of gumption 
to fire one of your highest paying clients when they're not aligned with your values. So this story is gold. Derek also shares how his engineer coined the phrase scope creeper, which I loved, and how they decided as a company to stay in their zone of genius and they learned to be okay with not being all things to all people. Derek's three top tips for success are one, shift from solo entrepreneur to a bona fide business when you're ready to scale or when you want to scale. You have to be thinking next level. Two, find your niche and keep narrowing. For most entrepreneurs, this is terrifying. Every time I narrow my niche a little bit more, I wake up with 3 a.m. sweats for a couple of days, and then I get over it and I decide to take that leap of faith and it always pays off. So find your niche and keep narrowing it. And his third tip is just try it. Just start doing something, it, the thing that you decide to do. And he says, if you're rocking and rolling as an entre- as a solo entrepreneur, then you hire someone to start growing your team and your business. This episode is so chock full of wisdom, and I know you're about to learn a ton. So grab a beverage or a snack and something to write with and settle in to listen to Derek and his amazing journey. Derek, it is so great to have you on the show. Thanks for coming on today. Thank you for having me, Tracy. Glad to be here. Good. I'm so excited. We chatted for quite a while and warming up and, you know, comparing stories, war stories about our kids. Just kidding. No, Um, (laughs) you know, talking about the challenges of of raising our kids in these times and all that, that was really lovely. And I'm, I'm excited to hear and share your journey about how you got into entrepreneurship. And I think, you know, as we were saying before we started recording that there's a lot that our listeners will appreciate hearing about your journey and also about what you do. I think there's a lot of people who would like to be podcasters who feel a little overwhelmed by the process. And so to hear how you can simplify that for them, and if it's not your company, what they can go looking for, I think would be really helpful to them. So thanks for coming on. Thank you for giving me the platform because I, I definitely have a, what I feel is an interesting story as far as how it all got started for me. For um, sure. And then, yeah, what we provide and why we provide it. So, yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, before we start, where are you located? Memphis, Tennessee. Memphis, Tennessee. So how did you, we were chatting earlier, you were in Nashville and then mm-hmm. you ended up in Memphis. What took you to Memphis? Uh, my child. I okay. had to move closer to be with my daughter. Yeah. Uh, I used to be a touring musician, which ties into my story uh, as far as how I ended up becoming a podcast producer. But that's why I moved to Nashville in 05. Bass player was my trade and moved there because that's where you go, right? Nashville is, right. That's, you, don't go to, you don't go to Nebraska to start a music career, right? So <laughs> <Not> uh, <laughs> if you want to grow corn, rip it up, you know? But right. so I did that. And had some success and, and toured around and played in a lot of different bands and uh, uh, situations where it was my full-time job and situations where it wasn't so much and had to hustle with other jobs. But in 2011, I came to Memphis again to be closer to my daughter and came, pulled myself off the road uh, and started the, the journey of trying to make my way as a local musician and a local scene playing bars and clubs and you know in order to do that you still need other jobs Mm -hmm. so so this directly relates to how i ended up falling into place with what i'm doing right now i 
played in two bands. I played at a church. I drove for Uber. I drew, drove for Lyft. I hosted trivia nights. I worked for a, a freelance auto appraisal company. At one year, I had, I think it was nine W-9s for taxes. Oh, my gosh. Wow. <laughs> it wow. Was, it was There's just, some determination there. <laughs> well, it was, it was all based around. I still want to be a musician. I need that flexibility. And then over time, I ended up traveling again. You know, mm-hmm. I, I reconnected with a lot of musicians in Nashville that were road bands that I was now starting to go on the road with. So not only uh, do I need other jobs for income, but I need to be able to just hit the road, leave for a couple of weeks. And then when I get back home, those jobs are waiting for me. Yeah. You know, you, I can't do that in an office job. Right. You know, so that's why I had all of these jobs and the common theme through those were I had control of the schedule. Like when you drive Uber, you work whenever you want, you know, and that's why I was doing those, those types of things. Um, so one day I was like, I got to find another hustle here. Let's figure this out. And I'm like, it has to be something where I can work from home and just need a computer and internet. I, that I need to find that so I can have even more flexibility so I can work while I'm on the road. Mm-hmm. So I sat in my computer in my little 400 square foot apartment and I'll never forget it. I Googled work from home and what popped up was upwork.com. So I must know if you're, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Upwork, but it's a, it's an amazing platform for freelancers yeah. that connect us, me, you, you're an entrepreneur too two businesses that are looking for a service. And then yep. likewise, if you're a business and you're looking for a contractor, it's, it's, it's an amazing platform. And I'd never heard of it up to this point, but I'm like, all right, well, let's see what this is all about. And I just started plugging around and searching through the job boards and everything, and then discovered a need for podcast editing. I was like, wow, that's interesting. I can do that. With your eyes I, closed. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know I know my way around audio editing. I'm not a legit audio editor. You know, I'm not high end stuff, but I can edit podcasts. I I knew I had the software to do it. I'm like, I can do this. So let's, let's go down this road. So I just totally obsessed over it and set up a profile and just tried to land a client. And you do that by sending in a proposal or a bid, a client, is on a job post looking for audio editor. And then you just try to give them the best proposal and presentation possible. And at the time I had nothing to show. I had no demo. So it was really just pounding the pavement and all day, every minute I had was just throwing up new proposals. Well, finally I get a client in 2018, January, 2018 and off and running, you know, uh, it ended up really catching fire if you will. And one turned to three, turned to seven, turned to 10 clients. And I was like, wow, I finally, I think I finally found something that's working for me, you know? And I was like, this is something I have more control over too. This is mine. Like I can make this work for me. So I just continued to send proposals and just try to get new clients. Well, what ended up happening was uh, it was like in the middle of 2019, I kind of found myself in this weird spot where I was hitting a ceiling as far as how many hours I can actually work in a week. 
there's only so much I can edit. I can only ask for so much an hour. I can't just one day say, you know what? Sorry, guys, uh, 200% raise right. so I can make more money. You just can't do that. That would be challenging uh, to keep those clients. <laughs> right. And so I'm working my tail off, still needing other side hustles and still struggling to pay my bills. Mm. So I'm like, all right, now it's just become another hustle. Added it to all this other stuff. But I really liked it. I felt comfortable and realized I can make this something. Also, what was happening was uh, I was starting to gain traction with bigger clients, more professional podcasting rather than more of the you know hobbyist podcasts. And with that comes bigger budgets and they wanted to buy into more of the services that I couldn't offer. You know, can you do our graphic design? No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> can can you transcribe our audio? Absolutely not. I'm not a typer, <laughs> you know. So I was losing opportunities because I wasn't offering enough services. I uh, wasn't making enough money to really live, but yet I was working my brains out. So I'm like, this has to change. So I finally decided this is my moment and it's time to start a business. It's like I had these ideas in my head. I'm like, if you buy it, if you hire an editor and you start going down that path and you start building a team, you'll be able to offload work, open up bandwidth, get more clients, and then bring other people on the team that will offer the services I can't provide. Mm-hmm. So I made that major shift. It was like a mindset shift. I'm like, I'm no longer a freelancer. I'm not a solopreneur anymore. I am, I am a company. And then legitimized it with an LLC in June of 19. And, and then that was the beginning of a interesting, <laughs> up to this point, still very interesting journey. I had no history in starting a business, you know, so a lot of mistakes, a lot of learning lessons, but it worked. It worked. A trial by fire is probably the yeah. best way to go, really. Absolutely. Yeah. But it worked. And, now I have an agency, you know, and it, yeah. and it worked. So. so you have more robust offerings. And so do are most of your clients then the larger accounts or do you also get sort of smaller podcasters who are looking for particular It's still a services? mixture. It's yeah. still a mixture. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to, I mean, my rates are a lot higher. So if a hobbyist or lack of a better term, mom and pop type of podcast comes at me, there's a good chance that I'm too expensive for them. Right. You know, at this point, but some not so much, mm-hmm. but really the, the bread and butter, if you will, are the more corporate sized mm-hmm. businesses that really understand and get that podcasting is a strong marketing tool now. Yeah. And in order for to really maximize the potential of growing your podcast, you need social media assets. You need ways to promote your podcast. So those that so that brings on another level of servicing. That's where the gra- a lot of graphic design comes in because you're making, you know, uh, thumbnails that are promoting mm-hmm. a specific episode where it's highlighting a guest. You've seen it on social media plenty of times where it's a headshot on the branded podcast cover artwork with that person's credential, new episode up, you know, so that takes graphic design again, mm-hmm. uh, something I didn't do. So now I have a graphic designer on the team that can do that stuff. Nice. can make um, other assets like audiograms, videograms, again, just snippets of your episode as an asset to promote on social media. So a lot of 
new clients that come in want it all. They want all these pieces, you know, and if you go on my website, we have it broken down. So they know exactly what they're getting for the cost. The other, the other key is they want it all, but they only want to deal with one person. They don't want to hire five to six contractors to handle all the pieces that are needed to handle because now they're, it's like, Oh my God, I'm already running a team, but for this one project, I don't want to run six more people. They just want to sit down, record their interview and be done with it and just have someone do it all for them. So I, they're still getting the service that five people would bring, but I'm the one running the team. I'm the one handling it all the work for them. And that brings, and that was also a good selling point. A lot of people like that. It's easier for them to trust and feel comfortable about going with me, us, because they know I have a team behind me. If you go on our website, yeah. right there on the homepage, it's just a pile of smiling faces. It's my team. They, they <laughs> realize there's some security in that. It's not one guy trying to do it all. Yeah. And um, it's a company that's going to be handling all the aspects, but the audio ed- editing is going to be done by a great editor. You know, that's what they do. Yeah. The thumbnails by a great designer. That's what he does. You know, that's what he is special at. Or, you know, I have a writer. She's great at writing show notes for podcasts. That's what she does. She's a good writer. So not only are we providing or me providing that service, they're getting good service. It's, it's, it's quality service, better than what I could ever give. So my role is just to facilitate and run and operate and make sure I make payroll. (laughs) There you go. There's a whole other topic there. Oh boy. Yeah. Probably terrifying when you first actually bring on a real team. I think a couple of things kind of came up in my mind that I think are great points to pull out for our listeners. First is like this idea of a niche. Like you didn't really call it a niche, but I would say that by and large, your niche is going to be more corporate podcasts that have the budget that want the full package. They want everything done, kind of a one-stop shop or mostly one-stop shop because there's some things that your clients might ask for that you don't actually do for them, right? Yes. There's still things outside of our scope that is okay. That I've decided that is it's outside of our scope. It's It's okay. And how hard (laughs) was that to make that, to be like, okay, we're okay. We're not Mm -hmm. all things to all people. This is where we really shine. This is what we're great at. It was, you know, as you know, when you're starting entrepreneur, solopreneur, you scrape and just, you hold mm. on to everything you can get. Like my first yeah. client, I was making 30 bucks a week and that was like amazing. Woo-hoo! And I, you yeah. know, woo, you know, <laughs> I'm getting paid to do this. Yes. And he would, he would miss <laughs> a week and I'd be emailing, Hey, where are we at? Where are we at? Where are we at? You know, I'm expecting this, you know? Uh, so it, it's hard to pull out of that, but I mean, um, I'm, way past that now. I'm okay with hearing no's if they can't afford me. It's okay. We're just not a fit. So when it came to trying to really figure out what our scope is, it really just became to the point where I'm like, I'm having to, we're doing all this stuff real well. We're doing these six things well, but I'm also getting a lot of questions for social media, marketing, planning, sponsorships, how to monetize. And I'm like, man, I'm a podcast producer. I should know those things too. And that's the full deal. But I'm like, I don't. And I don't have anyone on the team. Like it just doesn't work. Everything else fell into place, but these other things didn't. Mm. It didn't really fall into place. And 
then I was for a minute there. I said, well, let me get a, like a higher end marketing manager on my team so I can provide that service. And it's very expensive. Yes. You know, so Mm -hmm. I'm like, you know, and it just became, I found myself saying, well, I can try this over here, but just know that this isn't our strength, but I can figure something out. Yeah. And to the point where I'm like, no, I'm sorry. We don't do that. (laughs) Yeah. Cause it, it, it messes with expectations and it clouds whether it's, you know, conscious or not. I think it can really cloud a client's experience of you and your company. Mm -hmm. Even if you've already put the caveat there that, you know what, this is not our strength. We can give it a whirl. I think, do you, do you now have, like, I call it a bench. Like, do you have affiliated people or, you know, associates or somebody that you can Referral like partner. I have a marketing partner. So whenever right. a client of mine is looking for marketing support, I always send them to her. Yeah. She doesn't work in my business. We just, we refer, we're referral partners. Right. And it's mm-hmm. great. Cause I know that she'll take great care of my clients and I know that they'll be in good hands and all of that good stuff. And she'll get them results. You know, yes. I have a finance person. I have, you know, a handful of people that I pass off to when it goes outside of my scope. Right. Um, I have one strong referral partnership with a close, actually a good friend of mine who uh, ironically is in my area too, in the Memphis, Tennessee area. That's another podcast producer. And we just ended up crossing paths. I guess you can say we're competitors, but we're not. We, we meet every week. We do a little mastermind together every week. You know, we're good buddies. Yeah. We really try to help each other out. Well, his strength, ironically, is this monetizing sponsorships, how to you know, that next level stuff. And I'm like, this is like a perfect puzzle here. You're fitting, yeah. you're, you're fitting and filling that void that I feel like I can't offer. So there was a bridge though, where I was saying no and saying, sorry, can't help you. Yeah. Then I approached him. I was like, Hey, what's, would you be up for taking in clients from me that need this? It's like, of course, of course. Yeah. Of course I will. <laughs> <laughs> so now, now it's like, okay. And in, in, in a way it, it took so much stress off me because not only now I'm feeling more confident about saying the no, but it's like, but here's a number, here's someone I can refer you to. And and in a selfish way, it's like, okay, I don't have to deal with that now. (laughs) But you also know they're in good hands, you know, and it's it's like, we like to work with people we know, like, and trust, right? Mm -hmm. So they're going to know, like, and trust your friend because they know, like, and trust you. Like that's unless they get a really bad Mm -hmm. vibe or something from them or have some preconceived notion of what marketing people are like or whatever, you know, then, but that's the thing I think also, right? So we may not be that kind of full service in our business, but we can have a great, again, I call it a bench, whatever, a group of colleagues that we mm. trust that we can send our clients to. And you know, they're in good hands. You know that you're not, you know, sending them to some shyster yeah. or something, you know? So I think that that's probably, it's probably easy for your clients to say yes to working with him because there's already that connection between the two of you. And that's, and that's, that's, that's where the trust and, and networking and, you know, that's yeah. where it's all about, you know, that yeah. relationships, you know, yeah. you, you know, when I think about it, I w- it was hard at first because I was getting a lot of rejections because it mm. was, can you cover these three things? No. Well, sorry, I have to move on and look at someone else. And that always hurt. Yeah. But eventually I had to make that turn be like, I'm super confident in what we offer. I know what we offer. We'll, we'll develop you, publish you launch you. We can coach you. We can manage you. We can handle all these things. It's a partnership. 
let's do 52 episodes next year, rock and roll, yeah. you know? So I'm like, oh, we can do everything you need. So if, if that isn't enough and you need to move on to someone else, because we can't also handle all your marketing. Well, then again, I guess we're just not the right fit right. and it's okay. And next man up the next person up, you know? Yeah. So that was definitely a huge weight lifted when I finally had that confidence of, yeah. no, this is what we do. And if I get a no, oh, well, it is what You know, is. that's, this is a really another point I want to pull out for our listeners. And it's something that when we were talking before we started recording, you know, I told you that I go through that occasionally. I've been in business since 2000. I started in 2010, but I really didn't get serious until 2011. So a little over 10 years now. And one of the most challenging things is niching way down, staying in your lane, as you said, and letting go of all the things that you maybe could do, but you know, wouldn't be your zone of genius. And it's a little bit terrifying, I think, to let go. But the most miraculous thing happens when we do let go, narrow our niche, get into the lane and stay in that lane. It's like our confidence, like the way you speak about what you do and how confident you are and what your company can provide. It's powerful. Like Mm -hmm. I was, I felt energy from that, you know, and I think that that's something that our listeners who are maybe new entrepreneurs, or if you're at a growth point where you're starting to think, well, maybe I'll add more services or more variety or something to try to scale, be where, because if, Mm -hmm. if your business is painful to scale, it will not feed you the way you want to be fed, not just money, but time and energy. And a lot of people fall out of love with their businesses when they try to expand in a way that's not aligned with what their strengths really are. Now it's different if you decide that you want to be a full, you know, an agency that does everything, 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 and you bring those people in, but that's a different kind of scaling also, right. To bring a full-time marketing person or a full-time marketing Uh, team in is like hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. Like that has to make sense if you're going to do that. If the yeah. day comes where I can offer that, then life is totally. good. You yeah. Know? Well, I'm then you can be the full to, service. Right. I'm not opposed to offering that service, but in due yeah. time, like in I due can time. only handle, you know, and, and what I will say to your listeners is what you're going to find is the client more often than not, far majority of the time, when I say, sorry, I don't handle these three things. They're like, appreciate the honesty. Mm-hmm. Like, Okay. Well, thank you for setting strong boundaries. We know exactly what you're going to do for us now. Yeah. So that helps. It does help. It shows transparency. It shows honesty. Uh, Otherwise, all too often they've heard, yeah, I can handle this. I can do all that. And it's just like, wow, this one guy is going to do 15 things for us on a weekly basis. Was he really going to be able to provide this kind of service? And these are going to be consistently late. And I mean, likely consistently late. And the the, uh, quality might suffer unless they're a larger agency and they have that full team of, of people, but Mm -hmm. it's something to be, I think, very, very, very careful about, you know, we explosive growth is not always healthy for our businesses or for our own psyche as Mm -hmm. a business owner. And I think, you know, it sounds to me like you've been, you've been very thoughtful and very intentional about how you've built your business and how you've, when you've decided to expand, you've done it and you've Mm -hmm. done it with clear intention and, you know, I remember when we spoke before, like when we met, you said something about, you know, there was, I can't remember all the details, but there was a particular podcast that was basically, you know, playing around with hate speech and, and, mm-hmm. um, and things that you did not want to be connected to and you didn't want to subject your team to. And that really stuck with me. That was like, you know, 
you know you've gotten somewhere <laughs> yeah. when you can say no and be really okay with it because it's so far out of alignment and it, it's it's mm. a powerful thing. Yeah, I'm glad you I've said that I've up. turned away potential clients because they're not a fit or because you know they say something that doesn't sound quite right or something is something, right? I can handle yeah. personality differences, but it's it's that other something. It's either really glaringly obvious or it's something that you can't quite put your finger on. And, you know, as a coach, I mm. want to work with people that don't upset me. <laughs> Right, you know, or, and, and or are, you know, way out of line. This with, is a great with my pivot morals. to. This is a great pivot to another form of not getting a client. Mm-hmm. You know, getting used to saying no and having them move away. Well, then yep. the next level is firing clients. Okay, that's yeah. a real thing. Yep. But there's creative ways in doing it. Yep. Uh, we can talk about. Uh, we're doubling our rates. Okay. Yep. Well, I gotta go. See you later. That's yeah. Bye. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but the example that you you brought up uh, that we talked about in our pre-interview was the first and only experience where I found something that was totally out of line that was really starting to, you know, freak me out a mm-hmm. little bit. So I'm not going to mention names, obviously, but yeah, I got a new client that came in strong and it had a budget and they wanted to do all the assets. It was great. It was like a top paying client. So, okay. Remember that when I have to fire this person, Mm -hmm. so we develop it, push it out there. The trailer episode that we push out that we edited form was very ambiguous. It was about intuition. And I just was like, and the way he explained it to me in our interview was just like a self-help guy. That's, that's what I took from it. He was going to be a self-help person. Well, then the interviews start coming in and my editor is like, have you heard this? My writer is like, have you heard this? Mm. And and what's weird is at this point in my career and my business, I'm not hearing these things. I'm, I'm pushing stuff to my editors. You know, I can't Mm -hmm. monitor and listen to everything. It's just impossible. It's it defeats the purpose. If I'm going to listen to the show, I might as well edit it. Right. So luckily they were like red flags, like, we need to talk about this person. Well, come to find out he was legitimately talking about aliens and alien families and right-wing like conspiracies. They're definitely on the right. It's far right. That's not the problem. It's the information that they were delivering was very conspiracy. Disinformation. Yeah. Disinformation, conspiracy based. And I was like, man, and my writer and editor were like, that's fine. It's goofy. It's a little weird, but it's okay. It doesn't make me feel uncomfortable. But then I'm like, well, I'm uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Like I'm uncomfortable with this. And it just started wearing on me. It was, it was taking my focus away. All I mm. worried about was we're going to publish at some point, we're going to publish something that is very bad. That could be about Sandy hook, you know, like so, something very sensitive yeah. Now, I don't want to be attached to that. I don't want to have anything to do with that. But I still found myself thinking, well, but man, they pay a lot of money a month. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I would go back and forth with it. And I found myself like waking up in the middle of the night thinking about it. Like, this oh, is wow. I mean, this yeah. is obviously okay. It's time to go. And, yeah. uh, you know, it just is what it is. The money will come back. It's not a big deal. Um, It'll come and, back in multiples when you draw a line in the sand like that, Yeah. by the way, so, dear listeners. 
Right. Exactly. (laughs) So letting go uh, of that client did a number of things. One, it built my confidence. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, sorry, this is not what we're about. And I'm not going to sell myself out to that, which then trickled into my team being like, whoa, okay. We really appreciate one of my editors was like, man, I appreciate that you aren't for this and willing Mm -hmm. to just get rid of it because you don't feel like it's in line. So strength and leadership, trust for my team and, and just was, and then clear mind, moving forward, focus back on track. Yeah. So it's okay to, and that's an extreme, um, like that's firing, firing. There was no trickery. Like, well, let me see if you'll pay 50% more. Right. And then I'll, uh, then I'm okay with aliens. Right. (laughs) Right. You know, no, it was like, you got to go. See you yeah, later. And to the point now, very out of alignment. Yeah. To the point now, where as I'm as I'm getting better with you know signed do- like DocuSign type agreements, there's a thing in there now about community. You know, language. There's no racism. We're not going to deal with this, that, and the other thing. Excellent. So, learn from mistakes, right? Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, you know, well, I, we don't know what we don't know, and we don't know what people won't disclose to us, and if they don't have you know, like I'm sure it's on some level you're vetting your clients, but are you doing a real background check on like, you know, we're not going that far necessarily. And so, but I mean, kudos to you and, you know, I'm sorry, it was waking you up in the middle of the night and thank God for your conscience, right? Because your conscience was like, this is not okay. I can't get behind this. I don't want to money. I'm telling you, this is something that comes up in almost every episode. If you do this thing, only thinking about money, you're doing it for the wrong reasons, whatever it is. Obviously we all need to eat. I'm not going to pretend like we're all, you know, sunshine, lollipops and unicorns. It doesn't work that way, but staying true to our values is super important. So if you don't know what you stand for yet, figure it out in your business, you know, as a human being and as a business owner, because it is it's huge. It's it's, boundaries. it's, it's huge, massive it's boundary. boundary. Yeah. And you know, if for any Brene Brown fans out there, you'll know that once you get really clear about your boundaries, life gets a little bit gentler. Life gets a little bit easier. Our interactions with people become smoother. And when we do that in business, it just mm-hmm. opens the door for so much more. And I'm willing to bet that it wasn't, it didn't take long for you to replace that client with another one at a similar level or multiple clients. Yeah. I just moved just, on. And- it changes our, our energy, changes our vibe and you know yeah. being out of alignment has like a smell <laughs> it's a smell or a sense that you know mm-hmm. we put it off and it's, people can't put their finger on it but there's something and they won't they won't want to buy if they're if they're intuitive like that or if they're you know really wanting to work with a group that's high integrity yeah and it attracts you know there's a universal law here mm-hmm. now you might start attracting more uh, of yeah of a, a, a client that's got different values than you Mm-hmm. Well, that's a slippery slope. And now you just keep yeah. saying yes, because now you're getting greedy. And yeah. it's just like, oh, wow, I could yeah. add 20% to my top line by working with this other podcast that was referred to me by Alien Guy. Okay. By Alien Guy. Let's right. go, you know? Yeah. So there's a lot to think about. I would say yeah. if you're a codependent, codependent person, just by nature, you're going to have to work on that to be a business mm-hmm. owner, entrepreneur. You, that's something that you will need to, you will, the boundaries are important. And I'm bad at too. I'm finally in my adult life, figuring out boundaries. Um, it's. Cha- I mean, I think it's, it's layers and layers, right? We're always, 
we're always growing. Well, we ought to always be growing. And so when we're paying attention, you know, it's like our boundaries, our boundaries can be very clear, but if we're willing to grow, we're going to change a little bit over time. You know, we're always who we are at the core, but I think about, you said something about greed, greed and scarcity are the same thing. It's kind of like if in politics, far right and far left, if, if they just take a step toward each other, they're right there, right? It's kind mm. of the same thing. And so when people start to get greedy, that's really comes from scarcity. And we can talk a lot about this, but mindset going mm. into business, like you may be a little scared. I was terrified when I started my business, by the way, I'm going to be you know, really honest and, and clear about that. I, you know, I was newly divorced. I had two tiny kids and a mortgage. And, you know, I started my business scared. Mm -hmm. And I had, you know, maybe a, a small handful of clients early on who were, actually, I can tell you, it was two clients early on who were not really aligned, but the fear of not having the client drove me to say yes to them. I think most of right. us can relate to that, yeah, <laughs> especially absolutely. early on. Yeah, it's a, it, it's a, the scarcity, but the other term is poverty mentality. Right. And if you're, I mean, gosh, if you don't know how you're going to make your bills and feed your mm -hmm. children, it's a real thing, you yeah. know? And, um, and I learned very, very quickly that it wasn't worth it. And so I convinced one client to basically fire me. So I think they had a personality disorder and probably would have destroyed me if I had cut them off or tried to destroy me. So I just found a way to kind of convinced them that I wasn't the right coach for them and yeah. made some suggestions about where they could go, which was helpful. And then the other one I flat out fired Yeah, and it was a different situation. I was like, this isn't a fit, you know, I bet you felt incredible amounts of relief when that was oh, huge. I slept better. Yeah. I felt like I had a different, you know, resonance when I would speak with people. And I also at that point doubled my rates. And so I got a very different type of client for the work that I was doing. But I think that, you know, it's a, it's a scary thing to do, but drawing that line in the sand and being really, really clear about our values and what we're doing here, why we're here is mm. huge. And it makes all the difference in the world for how we can, especially when we want to grow and scale our business. I think that's huge. This topic made me think of a, a story that I think would help your listeners too, where I experienced boundaries. It wasn't values. I didn't let, have to let go of this client because of hate speech and values, none of that. But what it was about was, and my engineer gave me this, this term, his name is Andrew. Andrew, I got to give him the credit. He was a scope creeper. You know, <laughs> you know he, 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 he agreed to X and wanted Y and Z, right? And I learned that I wasn't up to that point, the way I laid out my boundaries and my services never got tested mm -hmm. until this one time. And then I was like, well, I need to be more specific. So now it's, it's made my presentation a little tighter on, no, this is what we do. And I needed to ask more questions. That's when I realized, you know what? Now, not only do I have the confidence to say no to a client, or okay, hearing a no, or firing someone for values. But you know what? I'm interviewing the client just as much as I'm getting interviewed. Like I now yeah, I'm trying absolutely. to have I'm trying to have that mentality now too. Are you a good fit for me? And that's another level of confidence that you can only get through growth and get, yeah. breaking out of this scarcity mentality. But 
it is easier when we now have established business and we have clients to fall back on. Early on, your story about the first two clients you had, who knows? Early on, if I would have got the the conspiracy podcast, I probably would have hung on to it or wouldn't have even cared. Right. It wouldn't have raised a flag for you because of where you were in your mindset. I mean, this is the whole thing, right? This is why we have conversations like this to, to, to share because it is a journey, right? Like I I love this idea of, you know, watching out for the scope creeper. (laughs) I love that. There's a, there's a certain amount of, totally. I mean, and it's like a little bit of a narcissistic tendency. I'm just, you know, I'm, chair therapist now, but like, no, you, you hit the nail on the head. He was continuing (laughs) to move the goalposts. Right. I mean, that's, and, and so I think you said something that I really want to highlight again, is that every time we're having a discovery call or whatever you call that first interaction with a potential client, you are interviewing them as much as they are interviewing you. For those of you who have been employed, we do -hmm. the same thing. Like we're showing up for an interview. We are scoping out the employer just as much as they're scoping us. Right. We do our homework before, but we're also paying attention and mm. we learn when we miss things. Right. Mm. So when it, it's the same thing, I mean, I can tell in a discovery call within probably five minutes, whether we're going to be a good fit or not, even though my discovery calls are an hour long, like I'll take someone through a process and yeah. let them have an experience of not really coaching, but what it's like to be taken through a process. You can't really coach until you have an established relationship, but I can tell pretty quickly. And so it changes the way I steer the end of the conversation. Whereas, you know, at the end of the conversation, they're either already asking me, how do we get started? Or I'm asking them if they want to hear, you know, how we could work Mm -hmm. together. And so I will, with people who I've decided would not be a good fit for whatever reason, you know, I have a list of other coaches um, or other organizations that offer coaching that I think would be a great fit for them or a potential great fit for them. And then I feel still feel like I'm being of service. Yeah. You know, it fulfills yeah. the um, people pleaser part of me without having to be a people pleaser. <laughs> yeah, so. it, it just moves them to the side. Like, yeah. okay, now we're taking care of you. I've provided that service for you now. Yep. A wonderful referral. There you go. Yep. <laughs> and that's free of charge. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You're welcome. You know, but, uh, but there's yeah. another, there's another little layer in there when you have just a simple, let's say pipeline, you discovery call. And then okay, it wasn't a no and it's not a no for you. You might want to work with this person. So now it moves to a different status, proposed or Mm -hmm. still in dialogue, whatever. And you set up your follow-up plan. I'm going to follow up in a week and then another week. Well, if if you do three discovery calls in one day and one of them's a rock star, that one's going to get more attention than the bottom one. The bottom ones can still get attention. You, you, You want to work with this person it feels like it'll be okay fit. Yeah. But maybe the money is lower. The vibe was a little different. Well, still nurture that person, but the top one gets the most nurturing. Yeah. That's the one you focus on. Absolutely. Yeah. That, that's huge. Mm-hmm. And I love this conversation for so many reasons. Right. But I think especially it's very empowering to get into that mindset and, and, you know, if you're new at what you're doing for our listeners, it's okay if you haven't figured that out yet. I mean, it takes experience, right? Our experience is really what gives us wisdom. Absolutely. And yeah. And we don't know what we don't know. And we don't know how to handle something we've never experienced before. I mean, I'm sure it's happened to you and all kinds of things. It certainly happened to me throughout my life where every once in a while someone just really catches you off guard. And mm-hmm. you're like, 
oh, I did not see that coming. You know, I, I had a client not too long ago um, on the consulting side of my business and there were signs that I missed about them being, I call them very with lots of love and compassion, PETA clients, pain in the, <laughs> and it's a way to, you know, remind myself to, to really tap in to what I'm sensing. Like w- one of the reasons I said yes to working with them was that their mission and their vision was so wonderful. And I fell in love with the mission and vision and we got the job done, but it was one of the most difficult clients I've ever worked with because they were disorganized and that's sometimes common with my clients. They'll come in disorganized, but it was more than that. You know, it was disorganized and absurdly self-absorbed. And so if it's it's taking extra extra time off your, mm, your, of your week and everything, that's servicing. Oh, my phone would blow up on weekends sometimes. Yeah, I, feel so, like was, I don't, I mean, I don't answer, yeah. but still like looking yeah. at it going, Oh, it's so-and-so, you know, like, oh. it's affecting and quality I, of life, but then it's pulling yeah. you from, a, it's pulling you from the, the, the bigger and better. Yeah. And in that period of time, it was very consuming. It was a startup thing, which I don't, I now, this is what I learned from it. I learned a lot of things from it. One of the big ones was, you know, I do not love the startup phase and I generally don't work with startups and now or I before that's what I would have said and now I'm like I do not work with startups. Yeah. The only exception to that is if this is not their first new business and they've had the experience so they their their mm-hmm. mindset is already at established business. They've they've crossed that threshold. There's this a lot of desperation and fear in the startup and I just don't feel equipped to deal with it. A definite so. distinction. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, so it was uh, a learning experience, uh, you know, fortunately it was a sort of a short term thing. It was like a four month project that we worked on. So, you know, it wasn't too, too bad. I remember my husband was like, are you almost done with that one? (laughs) 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 Don't make me count down, but I do have a calendar. I'm crossing it off every day. Like we're almost done with this lunch. It was a great project in many ways, but. And, And don't feel bad if you are listening to this as a and you're like, oh my God, I have these three clients that I wish I could fire. Don't feel bad about that. Yeah. Don't feel weird. Yeah. Like it's okay it's to not like a client. Totally. <laughs> and and there's normal. Yeah. And and also, you know, you if it's draining all of your good energy, it might be a good idea to end the contract. Right. And in this case with this client, I was like, I'm just gonna get them to doors open. And once doors are open, that would be the time that we would renew and do something else. And I will not invite a renewal. I'll just say, bravo, you did it. You're open. Yay. I didn't even say, call me if you need anything or whatever. And they actually ended up not making their final payment to me, which really stung. Mm. And that was the first time that's ever happened. So it's changed. I always take a retainer, but it changed how, how I write my agreements and, um, yeah. Yeah. But just a lot, a lot that I learned. And it was hard also, I think just again, a mindset thing it was very challenging for me to feel like I must have let them down if that's why they decided not to pay me. But really it was that they got money scared and they were trying to renegotiate rates and all that stuff. And I kept holding the line. I was like, mm-hmm. we have an agreement, you know, but I'm not going to sue somebody over a few thousand dollars. It's so not worth it to me. You know, for me, it's just like, yeah. guess what? <clears throat> you know. I'm not going to badmouth you, but if you ever come back and want to work with me, the answer will be a flat no. Yeah. And it won't even, I'm not, how can I trust? Right. Exactly. So, yeah. No, you don't want to deal with that mm-hmm. at all. And I'm 10 years plus in, 
right? And I just learned that lesson. So I just, let's say this, you know, stuff happens. <laughs> I'm thrown for, I was so taken by surprise. Now looking back, I can see it. I'm like, oh, okay. That was a sign. And that was a sign. And that was a sign. But, you know, sometimes we miss stuff and, you know, just, we also, I have a lot of trust and faith in people. When we sign an agreement, I just, I hold the expectation that they will live up to their end of the bargain. And I've never experienced that before. Yeah. So now I actually have slowed down that potential consulting work. I've slowed down the initiation process a lot. So if they're in a huge hurry, I'm not for them. It might yeah. take us a month before we get to agreement. The key so. is the key is just upgrading yourself. Yeah. Mistake made, lesson learned, implement. Yeah. Move on. <laughs> implement it now into your, yeah. whether it's your presentation or your discovery yep. call, whatever it may be, yeah. your agreement. All of it. Just I think every, absolutely. Know? And I'm every part of my process on the consulting side of my business has changed due to that, due to that client for all the unforeseen things that happened, you know? And I think that's, that's just the thing here. We, are. I mean, I would call myself sort of a veteran business owner at this point, mm-hmm. And I just learned that lesson. Yeah. yeah? And you're going to learn more lessons over the next 10 years. Oh yeah. As soon as we up level, we come to, you know, it's kind of yeah. like with kids, the bigger the kids are, the bigger the sort of the problems or the issues become. I believe it's the same with business. Mm-hmm. The difference in business is that we have, as we learn, we implement systems and our mindset shifts, especially, I think there's two points at which businesses really shift. The first one is when you cross over like the 500,000 in revenue. And the second one, which is the big, hairy, scary one, is the one to three million range in revenues. And I see a lot of like my clients get stuck at that point of growth, at that latter number. And it's not the money, it's the complexity of the business that really gets them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't know about you, Derek, but um, most entrepreneurs, and I'm raising my hand here, we start our businesses in large part because we like to be in charge. And so it's really challenging to let go of control. And, uh, I did experience that. I am, I think I might be a unique situation there. Um, because you are different that way (laughs) because I was very ready to start giving stuff up, Mm -hmm. you know, and was able to, what made me feel better when I got my first editor was I knew that he was better than me. Mm. So I, I, okay. And this is great. I'm going to learn from him, you know, and, and, the quality is going to go up. So that helped mm-hmm. uh, where things were a little more difficult for me as far as letting go is when I hit that moment where I hit this sort of time wall or ceiling. It wasn't so much about an earning potential in a way it was, but when things really started growing and getting busier and busier and busier, and I'm like up to five editors, you know, not full-time, Let's be real. They're all contractors though. So one might be able to only give me 10 hours a week. Okay. You're full. I have this college student over here that can do a few episodes, a few podcasts for me every week. That's much smaller stuff. Okay. Those are yours. Now you start building up all these editors, writer, you have a team of 10 to 12 people that are handling all this stuff for you. Well, what ends up happening is I became a full-time task manager. I hit a wall. I was like, Oh my God, I'm spending all day just facilitating traffic emails, sending something back to the client and asking the editor about this. And it it just filled my time up. So I'm like, all right, time to grow up, time to mature a little bit. Now let's get some managers. The first time that I started thinking of what it would be like to have 
management, production assistants. Uh, and that was different. That was a little tricky because I, by this time, had built the system, right? It was mm-hmm. the system on how we delegate. And I used Monday.com or Asana or Trello. Like now I've designed a, an actual automated system on how to handle some of this traffic. Well, when I brought in managers, quickly I realized it was my system. <laughs> you know, okay, it was, it was, yeah. it was really just me. I tailor made it to me. And I thought it was going to be easy and bring in an assistant and be like, okay, this is what Here we're we going to go. do up and running. Yeah. Nope. Not so much. It, and uh, that was weird letting go. Yeah. Good learning experience as a leader to not only let go opportunity or let go actual tasks, but to open up and let someone else give their point of view on maybe we should do it this way. Mm-hmm. And that was a great learning experience. And yeah, I bet. It, it was a process, but now it took a few months to really figure out the new system, but we got there and now I have managers. Yeah. And then that's now I'm fantastic. Like, you know, so those, those are the types of things that was very hard for me to, that yeah. was the tricky part for letting go. And I think the challenge there too, is that you're being called to be a leader and the CEO of your business, not a manager. And there's a difference right. between management and leadership. Absolutely. You know, we can all be leaders, but man- when I think of management level positions, that's detail management, that's process management, that's you know the stuff that usually the visionary or the person who you know started this company, it's not their strength. I think you know an exception might be maybe if you've, you're an accountant and you start an accounting firm or something, right? But like it's very, it's a different, it's a different role that you're being called to fill, yeah. and. I, you're kind of a unicorn this way, right? That you were willing to let go. It's very hard transition for some of my clients that I work with. I work with a lot mm-hmm. of um, like physicians and practitioners in private practice, and it's a challenge to let go of even some of the visionary piece of it, right? But the real goal is for the CEO to be able to engage their team and get buy-in to the the vision yeah. and the mission of the organization, and then you have your people who are amazing and who light up like a Christmas tree over spreadsheets and small details. My, my executive assistant, she's like, I love spreadsheets and I love laying out all the pieces. And I'm like, God bless you. Mm. (laughs) It's just like, Oh, that's so draining to me, but it's, it's a huge transition. I think it's a, you know, Again, you know, in the world of entrepreneurship, unless you're funded from the beginning, likely you will do all the things until you get to a point where you can start passing it off and bringing in team members. So it's good to have your hands sort of all over it, but let go as soon as possible, I think would be. Yeah, I, I benefited in by myself having very narrow service offering editing. Mm-hmm. So now I need to offer these other five services. Well, that's a no brainer. I'm not letting go of anything. I am bringing someone in that knows what they're doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Gives me comfort and confidence yeah. that I can provide that service. You know, you can sleep at night. And also this is the first opportunity. Like I've never been a leader. You know, I've always been the guy following. Uh, I certainly don't just wake up and one day and be like, you know, okay, I'm a leader now. So now I can lead a team. It, it took time, but I did learn once I made that switch, I did realize, wow, I had this dormant gene in me. I did not know I had to not only be a leader, I still feel like I have a lot of work to do on the, the leadership mindset's a whole other thing. 
mm-hmm. but the facilitator and building that hierarchy and building the team and, and putting people in the right position or sending a task to the certain person that I feel like would be the best fit. I had a knack for that. I have a knack for that. And then ultimately I'm a math head. I love numbers. I love math. So I have a great budgeting system. So that gives me a lot of power and decision-making power to be like, now it's one thing to use my team for clients, but then I started using my team for me and Mm -hmm. my business and Shelby Rowe. And it's like, okay, with budgeting, it brings you so much power because then you can be like, hey, I I, want to pay you five hours this week to do X. Okay, great. I know I'm going to get awesome quality return. Uh, I, I'm not just free willing, just spending money blindly. Uh, and then business got better and improved marketing and improved whatever it may be. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. I love, I love the budgeting. I, you know, so I'm like, okay, wow. Like I didn't know this about my, myself, but it turns out that I am this kind of business owner. Yeah. I'm not saying it's better or more right than anyone else, but I, I'm in a position where I definitely want to be a CEO type. Mm-hmm. I want to let go and just keep facilitating and have managers managing managers who manage managers, you know? Like, yes. <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm down yeah. with that, you know? Yeah. So I was just fortunate that way where a lot of solopreneurs, they're really good at everything. Mm-hmm. There's so many people out there that are podcast producers that can do it all. Yeah. They can, they can write the show notes. They can make great graphic cards. They can, they, they can do it all. And I feel like those are the ones that probably have the hardest time letting go. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's still a mindset shift to go from being a Jack or Jacqueline of all trades to mm-hmm. this is what I specialize in. This is where I shine. That's been a challenge for me in my business as well. Like, well, there's a lot of things I can do and there's a lot of different people I can work with. However, what happens with marketing and what happens with, you know, client creation and drawing people in is it muddles the message. If it's not super clear, if somebody can't figure out that you are for them before they inquire they're, they're going to go somewhere else. Right. So I think, uh, again, in the beginning stages, we kind of do all things and that's great. If you want to scale your business, uh, this is what my business coach has taught me, which was a radical shift from being a solo entrepreneur to now moving into more of the CEO of my business is that if it depends 100% on you, it's not scalable. Right. Yeah. I'll repeat well, that, right? If it depends mm-hmm. 100% on you, it's not scalable. We don't we can't scale something that doesn't exist. So we still have to build it, right? And there's a period of time where you might have to do all the things. That's just part of growth, right? And Yeah. But I had I had an eye-opening experience this summer on a positive. Let's talk about a positive. I I had to go do some traveling. I had to go back to my home state, which is Maine, which we talked about in the pre-interview here. And I had to do two trips in June and then I moved. So I went to Maine, came back, I moved to a different apartment where I, you know, in this area, and I had to go back to Maine for a couple of weeks. There's a lot of family stuff. So June was just crossed off the calendar. Like it, it was just done. Yeah. So for the first time I was like, okay, I'm going to back off. I'm not going to do anything that has anything to do towards growing. I'm, I'm giving myself the month off. I got a lot of stuff going on, family stuff that's important. Let's see what happens. And it was very satisfying and gratifying that the system kept plugging along. 
you know, things <laughs> got done still. I still had to commit to some emails. Like I still had to work a little, yeah. but I found myself working like 10 hours in a week, you know, like very limited, not even that. It'd be like an email, a couple emails here, there, an hour later done. And then I'd have the rest of the day off or whatever it may be. Now it, it had a long tail effect where now come July, I had no interviews set up because I hadn't, I'd stopped all the searching and, and, and outreach and everything in June. So it had some form of effect, you know, it, it definitely put me behind a little bit, mm. but I was able to say, wow, I can take a vacation and the business operates. It yes. functions, it pumps out, the job's getting done for clients, managers are doing what they need to do. I was like, wow. I, for the first time, I felt like I kind of graduated. I was like, wow, you can't see the forest through the trees, right? I didn't realize yeah. how, how much I implemented and the, the structure I built until I finally separated myself from it. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow, all right, yes. <laughs> that is a huge yeah. arrival, huge arrival, right? Yeah. And because it's not our hustle that scales our business. It's our systems. Absolutely. You got to have systems, literally like automated platform production management. As much as you can. But also putting people in place and and Mm -hmm. there's, there's that level too, but yeah, you can't, you can't scale unless you don't have a system, unless you have a system, forget about it. Forget about it. Oh, it'll, it'll eat you. It'll swallow you whole. Yeah. You hit a ceiling. Mm -hmm. Hit a ceiling. Yeah. And if you're a solopreneur that thinks you can, you know, go from a hundred thousand dollar rev to the next year, hit two hundred thousand dollars, forget it. Like you, you better. It's get not going to happen. Yeah. Hate to be the bearer of bad news, yeah. but it's just not going to happen. Yeah. You know, like you need, <laughs> you need a team. You need people. Absolutely. In business. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I feel like we could talk for hours, but I you know I, I think this conversation has been so rich. I feel like there's. Our listeners, you're going to probably want to listen to it twice, right? To really kind of pull the nuggets out. Um, this has just been so like I love how open you are with sharing the process of you know starting and growing and the mindset shift. And it sounds like you've had to have maybe a couple, at least two major ones, right, along the way, to elevate your own self in order to be able to scale your business. Absolutely. And you know, from where I sit, I think you're a very natural leader. And you said something about, oh, I have a lot of work to do. And my first thought was, that's why you're a great leader, mm-hmm. is that you recognize that, you know, you, it's like you can't do it without your team. So that's huge. And you empower your team to shine where they shine. And you're over here seeking, you know, wanting to grow, wanting to improve, wanting to be, you know, better for your clients, better for your team, recognizing that your team, you know, also works for you. That's a huge piece of the puzzle too. Like really recognizing that not in a, in like a gross way, right. But that they're there really to serve you as well. And the more things are handled, meaning that your team is taking care of the things that you need them to take care of, the better you can serve them and your clients. Like we cannot give from an empty cup. No, you, so, need, you need to give yourself that time to do the, the, the top level important stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's and, it, and it's funny working on the business, right? Working on the business, working on the growth. So this year was a big year for us to now become content generators. Now let's 
let's walk the walk and talk the talk and we need our own podcast. And, and we started really in January, uh, we really started working towards all that stuff for my podcast. I do an interview and I hand it off and I have an amazing group of people that yeah. do these things. Uh, it's just a matter of budgeting because now it's coming out of the Shelby row productions pocket, but I put a, a leader in, I have a guy that produces the whole thing and then handles, okay, he talks to the writer, he talks to the editor, you know, so here I am, I'm using the same model that I want people to use me for. Mm -hmm. um, but because I have this great team, it makes my business better. Yeah. It makes my, I have my writer writing things for my website. I have, you know, I, I, my graphic designer, web de developer also works for me. <laughs> it's mm -hmm. nice having these people do things that I can't do for myself, yeah. never mind for a client. So utilize your team. They're, make sure you're the dumbest guy in the room. That's what I always say. Yeah. Like, that I, stood I know out it's, to me it's, too. It's cheeky and, you know, obviously. No, it's so true though. But it's like, I want to be the dumbest guy in the room. Yeah. And I listen to them. Like my social media manager, I have so much trust in her because she knows all the intricate ins and outs of how each platform works and algorithms and how many hashtags for Instagram versus Facebook. It's like, thank you. Not only do I not know any of that, I don't care. There's only so much brain space. <laughs> oh, so she's amazing. Yeah. And it's just like the social media is taken care of. Yeah, I love that. But uh, you need to be able to budget your money and make it so it's not a scary uh thing where am I going to be able to pay her this month? Figure it out. If you can only afford five hours a month of social media management, it's five hours more work you're getting that you couldn't do or do it as well. Or yeah. it doesn't matter how small it is. Get someone Absolutely. going. Implement and it. also think about how much you cost your own business, right? The times when I've decided to try to do things on my own, because I think it'll save me money or whatever. It's put me in a very bad mood. It's eaten up a lot of my time and it still isn't done. So then I end up hiring somebody or passing it off. Now I have an executive assistant, so it doesn't happen as much. But before I was working with her, you know, oh my gosh. <laughs> I mean, I, I did the math one time and I paid, uh, it was like $250 or something quite a while ago for like a landing page, a sales page that I finally outsourced. But it took me, um, I think I spent six hours on it before I finally gave up. And Time I don't work on an back. hourly rate, but let's just say uh, that would have come to more than $250. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was a good learning experience, right? I went through the process. I now know I'm really not good at anything that might need coding right, <laughs> or is connected to any kind of internet, anything, period. Yeah. <laughs> so it's so better to A dollar spent, a minute saved. That's kind of how totally. I said it. So. And there's more time to work on my business. So I do spend a fair amount of time because I am a coach and, and consultant that I spend a fair amount of time in delivery, but the rest of that time that I spend working really needs to be mostly working on the business. There's Absolutely. a few things that I do in the business that are, you know, I'll too. pass off when we get a new system, but yeah. you know, I'm yeah. still in, I, yeah. I have to be, you can't just let it all go overnight. It's a process. No, and and there's, you know, it's good to kind of bump, jump in and out anyway, I think, to just kind of check in on things as long as we're not disrupting our team and trying to take over and micromanage them. And that's a whole, probably a whole other episode. But I think that, yeah. you know, you're right. You're still, you're still going to be working in the business a bit, probably for a while, if not like forever. But there's, you know, if there's something, I don't even know what half the language is for like our CRM. I, 
you know, send a oh, note. We have an oh. internal messaging thing. And I'm like, um, I need to do, you know, and Miranda, my executive assistant is like, I got you. It's called an automation. I'm like, okay, <laughs> oh, great, <laughs> good. Great example. Like yeah. great example. And, and I know we can talk forever too, but I love talking about these things. I built to a point finally where I needed a CRM. What is mm-hmm. a CRM? Client relations management. Yes. That's all I got for you. That's all I got. That's all you need. Yeah. You know, so I finally yeah. found someone that knew how to build one. I got a good, I went through with SalesMate, mm-hmm. simple little subscription, found someone that is good at cold outreach and building leads and putting together CRM. I have this lady that I used to use for marketing for clients that she helped out. She taught me what a customer journey is, you know, uh, how to, you know, the, the sync, the sequenced emails, we all get it. You sign a, you sign an email list for something and then you just start getting weekly emails and each one has a different message, different story. They're selling this or they're pitching that or check out our new blog, our new newsletter. You've seen it. That's all automated. Uh, And so it had to be automated and built by someone. And then all the stuff needs to be written by someone. And I have two people doing that stuff for me because again, I don't know. (laughs) Don't know. I don't know what to do with all that. Not cheap, but you have these necessary, uh, necessary things that if you really want to keep growing, these are the expenses that you have. And you mentioned something earlier about the, the, you said something like when the revenue goes up, it's, it can create more problems. Sometimes you can get stuck in some things and it's so true, you know, because now I'm in order for me to feel like I need to get to that next level, I have to spend a lot more money and then cash flows an issue. And then you find yourself in that cycle where it's just like, wow, I make my top line is here, but my bottom line is way down here and I'm still using a little debt. Yep. Part of the deal. That's not necessarily a bad thing in business too. I'm definitely not yeah. a business finance, you know, guru at all, but it's not always a bad thing. In fact, using a line of credit can really help with mm-hmm. your credit as a yeah. business and it can help you leverage in ways that not having access to credit cannot. I have amazing credit because I use a lot of it. (laughs) It's good. I think as long as you manage it it well and you're paying it back and you know, all of that is like the real key there. Yeah. That's, and that's like a whole other, you know, conversation because it's a much more, it's definitely out of my wheelhouse, but it's a much more, you know, detailed and technical part of building and growing a business. Mm -hmm. When you get to that place where you start using debt, in a very functional way that can help leverage. And if you get to that place, when you get to that place, it changes, I think, probably everything. Yeah. As long as it's investing in something that is building. Yes. And then you got you you to make back you more than it. you borrowed. Yeah. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm in a position right now. I'm, I'm in the works on a big project for a big podcast. I'm going to be producing a local community thing. And I had to invest a lot of money in some equipment. Mm. I'm like serious studio stuff. Like, well, well, what I want to do won't get done. And I certainly can't save my pennies. It will take me three years to save the money that I need to build the studio and, and the things I need to be able to do this thing. So you just got to get a line of credit or a credit card. It's just, you invest, yeah. Yeah. you got you to do it. <laughs> but you you'll know, be able to use yeah. it multiple times. I mean, it's maybe for Absolutely. this initially for this one particular client and this one project, but now I'd imagine that expands your capacity so you can bring in yeah. more higher level clients like that, right? That Absolutely. That. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the, so the, it changes the money your niche well, a little bit. Yeah. The money is well spent, but 
You know, I don't have $10,000 in cash flow. Let's be honest here. Right. Not many businesses yeah. do, especially in my size. And I'm, I'm still a small business. Let's be mm-hmm. real here. But, yeah. um, but, but this is good to hear this, to hear these numbers, to hear the reality of it. I think there's a lot of, especially if you, if you look around at all the entrepreneur stuff on, I think, especially on Instagram, as much as I love it, there's a lot of like fake BS about what it's like to grow a business. And it's very kind of airy fairy. I don't know. I find it really frustrating. And I, mm. you know, I go ahead and cancel <laughs> following those accounts. I'm like, that is so out of alignment with those. So not true. And I'm not going to go in and try to be a keyboard warrior and set them straight. So, just, you know, but I think for those of us who, you know, we're looking for community, it's one of the reasons I wanted to start this podcast is to come into a place where there's real talk with real people who have been in the trenches or are, still are in the trenches and you know hearing that number $10,000 it might sound like a ton of money it might not but it doesn't matter if it's a lot of money or if it's not a lot of money if you don't actually have it you have to find a way to get it have right to. so yeah i mean i boot, i bootstrapped at the very beginning yep you know i i was like we can go on and on for that and i wouldn't yeah, suggest yeah. this i would suggest this is how exactly you should do it but this is how <laughs> i did it we all figured needed, it out i needed i needed uh i needed um capital to start my business I needed the time to do it. So I had to let go of other hustles and jobs. So then therefore I was paying bills on some personal credit cards. So debt Mm -hmm. was flying up in two different sections, but none of this would have happened unless I didn't do that. And you just, sometimes you just got to take a chance and it's a gamble. And you know what, if you go bankrupt in three years, I mean, (laughs) it is what it is, but if you really want to, you really want to take the leap and try something, you have to take a huge risk because then the reward is awesome. Yeah. And it has to be, you know, pretty calculated. You gotta be, you can't <clears throat> predict everything, but you at least have to go through the scenarios and, and see mm-hmm. what's possible and what you can make happen. And, you know, yeah, this I, or better <clears throat> is my, my motto, this or better. <laughs> I, I benefited because I already knew the problem and had the solution for the problem. I wasn't just mm-hmm. starting a business. You know what? I just want to be a podcast producer. That's what yeah, I want. Boom. Yeah. It was a year and a half to two years of market research really is what it ended up being. So when I finally made that decision, I, I just had a lot more confidence. I'm like, this yeah. is going to work. I know mm-hmm. it. I'm going to try it. It was, you know, it was already there. I already had a client base. I already knew the, the pain points. I had my solutions for them. It, they've gotten better. My solutions are better, but at the time I, I feel like, all right, this can work. So I, yeah. I was very lucky and beneficial of that way too. It wasn't just yeah. uh, some people decide, Oh, I'm going to start a donut shop from cold. Right. Never (laughs) experienced baking or frying or whatever before. Or just all the money needed to get that going and having zero customers. Yeah. Yeah, That's scary. That's different. Yeah. (laughs) Not recommended. I mean, the way I started my business, I tell people all the time, like it's not something I would go around recommending, but for some of us, we'll never do it if we don't just peel the bandaid off and jump. And that's basically what I did. Jump. I just jumped. Me too. Jump. Do it, yeah. jump. <laughs> yeah, just do it. Or build it on the side. And at some point you'll know there's a tipping point. There's no more time for side hustle if you want right. to grow it. And there's there is sort of that tipping point. And Which I did. you gotta decide in advance what that number looks like. Otherwise, so. you know, I have one client who's kind of startup phase. Again, one of those where I wouldn't normally work with a startup phase, but they've done other things before and built. And we had a conversation where, you know, at what point they're fully employed right now. 
and will make the leap when they are close to replacing their current income. And the number shifted in the last year by about 30,000, which I thought was kind of interesting, but I understand it too. It's a little bit of the pandemic fear and watching what had happened and all of that. And, and I was like, are you going to stick to that number? Like, yeah. <laughs> is that your final number or is it going to shift again next year? Right. At what point are you willing to, to take the leap of faith? And, and yeah. they were like, no, it's that number. That's a good round number. I feel comfortable with that. And no, I can reach it part-time mm-hmm. so I can multiply it when I have more time available. Cause at some point we run out of time for growing a side hustle. I mean, taking the leap is never fun, never easy, always mm. scary. Super scary. So if you keep moving yeah. that number, oh, you know what? Yeah. 10 more grand and then I'll right. make that move. Dude, no. It's never going to happen. Sometimes yeah. you, well, I don't know if it'll never happen, but you might regret mm-hmm. not taking the leap. You know, and I think that's, it's, it's just scary. It just is. And it's, you know, there's, there's always a payoff with risk. Oftentimes the higher the risk, the higher the return. That's not always the case. Sometimes the higher the risk, the harder the fall, but there's always something that we've learned from it. And there's a way it's, I mean, they don't call it a leap of faith for nothing, right? It's, you've got to have some faith in yourself. You have to have some faith in whatever it is that you believe in. Hang on tight to that and just go, go do it. You won't know until you try. <laughs> you won't know until you try. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, I've so enjoyed our conversation, Derek. I would love to know before we kind of wrap up here, where can we send people? So we know the name of your company, Shelby Rowe, but tell us, tell us where we can find you and people mm-hmm. who might be interested in learning more about podcasting or if any listeners have wanted to start a podcast and then went to learn about how to do it and decided, no, thanks, it's not for me. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's a way that you can make it happen by learning how to do it in, a, in an effective way. So let us know where we can Absolutely. find you. So yeah, my website's the hub, if you will. It's shelbyrowproductions.com. Uh, on there, you'll find all my socials. We have an Instagram page, LinkedIn page, uh, Facebook group that is really more designed for podcasters and producers that already have something going on. So if you're listening and you're a producer or a podcaster, check out our group because that's where you're going to get tips and tricks and all that stuff. Uh, we have a podcast called Pod Logics. Again, tips, tricks, and and best practices on producing a podcast, or even then also, I kind of split my target, podcasters and producers. So if you're a producer needing some coaching or helping on growing your team, scaling up, I pull off my experiences and I coach in that area too. So the podcast is definitely resourceful for that. Uh, on the website, you can right there on the homepage, you don't even have to scroll down. You'll see a button that says schedule a consultation. It's a free 15 minute consultation. So we can see if we're a good fit to see if you're a good client for me. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, and then you it pricing, <laughs> and it's very transparent. You get the pricing page, all the prices are there, all our services are there. We have examples of all our services. So check out the website uh, that really gives you all of the uh, information you need. I am also, I am joining and trying to work way, my way towards the coaching world and becoming a, like an actual coach for producers that really want to sit down one-on-one or do like a subscription uh, monthly mastermind where I, I help producers scale and grow that team and, and figure everything that I did, you know, pulling from that experiences. So if you'd like more information on that, you can contact me through my website. 
and uh, we can we can talk about that too. But that's still in the development phase. I'm being coached on how to coach right now, so mm-hmm. um, it's a good starting point. Yeah, but it's gonna be it's gonna be it's gonna be fun because I I do have a lot to offer in that world. So yeah, um, but yeah ShelbyRealProductions.com, and uh, that's where you, you can get everything. Awesome. Well, we'll make sure all the links are in the show notes. So if you didn't catch it, you can just go click on it. So, well, that's, that's how exciting to, I mean, I'm biased as a coach, but coaching is such a great field and it's such a great service. And Mm. I suspect you'll be a natural at it. And, you know, I'll just go ahead and give you some unsolicited advice. Just go for it. Just jump. (laughs) I've already jumped. You've already jumped. Good, good. I'm falling as we speak. You're like building your parachute right now. (laughs) I'm falling as, um, um, yeah, I'm flying through the sky. Here we go. Love it. Love it. I'm hoping that my wings will catch some wind at some point. I have no doubt you'll be very successful in that. Well, any parting thoughts, any last pieces of advice you'd like to share with our listeners? You know, it, it, it comes back to... You know, if what I'm very passionate about, and obviously where all my experiences and my whole story is the shift from solopreneur to business, mm-hmm. you know, um, and that's, that's my message. You got to, if you want to scale up, you need to start thinking next level. That's my takeaway from that. It's just, it's something that you're going to have to do because you will hit a ceiling and stay there. Yes. It's as simple as that. Try to find a niche. And that's something I'm still working on. Like right now I work with anyone that's a podcaster. At some point I'm going to, well, maybe I just want to work with coaches that want to have a podcast, you know? So uh, I'm trying to nail, narrow that thing down too. Um, But if you feel like you have struck a chord with people that are having pain points and you have good solutions for that, and you already have a client base then you absolutely can start a business. Totally. If you're already there, that's gold. You can just keep growing from it. Try it. Hire one person. (laughs) When I hired my editor, I gave him one podcast a week to edit. That was just started. Just get them implemented. And now I got a team of 12 people that cover all different things. But it started with one. Just start walking down that path. and, And it's like planting a seed. So yeah, I would suggest if you are already rocking and rolling as a solopreneur in whatever field, you might be a wedding photographer. Okay, if you're booked up, we'll hire another camera person and I'll do two weddings a weekend. You know, <laughs> you know, there's yeah. things you can do to grow. But if you already have an audience, you already have a client base and you already have solutions to problems, go for it. Yeah. Excellent advice. Uh, well, as always, what a wonderful conversation. I'm excited to share this episode out with the world. And I just thank you so much for your time. It was just a, a lovely conversation and I'm sure our listeners are going to learn a ton from it. So thank you so much for coming. I enjoyed it too. It was awesome. Thanks, Tracy. Awesome. Between thank you. our two pre-interviews and, and this interview, we've we've spent some time together. It's awesome. We have. I know. We're, now we're friends forever. You can't get rid of me. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> we're only one state, a very long line of state away from each other. But you know, right. if you pass through if you pass through North Carolina and you're here, let's grab a coffee. I would love that. I think that'd be very fun. Awesome. Thanks, Tracy. Very good. Well, thanks for coming. Thank you for listening to this episode of Entrepreneur Mindset Reset. If you liked what you heard, be sure to click the subscribe button so you'll never miss a show. Please leave us a review and tell your friends about us so more people can hear the valuable information we share in each episode. We look forward to hearing from you and celebrating your success.